Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of AMA. I'm your host, Tom Bilyeu, and I'm taking your questions, which, by the way, if you ever want to have your question answered, you can submit it to AMA at impacttheory.com and just put AMA question in the headline, and we will filter through for the best, the most amazing, most insightful and powerful questions and I'll be answering them. So here we go. Without further delay, Cindy Tan is up. Hi, Tom. I love my digital advertising company for the people and the culture. It's an environment where managers care about the well-being and level of job satisfaction experienced by those they manage and where open communication is encouraged. Despite this, I've been feeling disconnected from the actual work that I do because I cannot connect with the value that we are adding for our clients. I don't feel like the impact I'm having in the world right now is in line with what will truly fulfill me. Any advice on how I should move forward given all of the above would be great. Greatly appreciated. Thank you. So if you know that the problem is that you're not, um, I'm guessing that you don't think that you're adding enough value to the clients, then there really comes the hard question of, is that to do with the leadership at your company? If there is a leadership problem at your company and they are not interested in adding the kind of value to your clients that you want to, or maybe even more troublingly, they're incapable of adding that kind of value, then Leaving is almost certainly the only answer because you're telling me that you're not being fulfilled. And so while the culture and the people that you might be around are wonderful people taken in and of themselves, when put in that context, fulfillment is the name of the game. So if you're not able to get that, if you're not able to really give yourself over to your job, work your ass off and do something that adds value to people, uh, there's just no solution there. So that that's a hard question. You're going to have to answer that for yourself. Now, assuming that that isn't the case and that you are in an environment that is somewhat malleable, that everybody there including the leadership, really want to add that impact, then it becomes a question of either approach or skill set. Either of those are addressable. And I would start really looking at that. I was just talking to somebody today. In fact, she's here somewhere just off camera um, talking about how it really becomes a question of, do you have a plan B? And when you don't have a plan B, and and I've heard that phrase like a zillion times, but it really hit me when she said it, that when you don't have a plan B and you're committed to making plan A work, then you're really looking for that path the no bullshit, what would it take to get to your answer? And if you have that in mind, like no bullshit, what would it take for us to add the kind of value to our clients we want to add and the people there are open to actually doing that? This could be a really extraordinary moment in your life and the lives of people in your company. If you go in every day and you're thinking about that and you're rallying the troops and you're getting people excited and you're actually pushing yourself to solve that problem, to come up with amazing answers, to really find a way to deliver extraordinary results for your client. I think that pursuit of greatness, 
will actually pull you out of the doldrums. I think the desire for mastery is something that people often overlook. And hey, I'll relate it to this weekend. I was playing video games and I actually woke up in the morning. So I was really excited to get the Ace of Spades for any fellow Destiny players out there. And I thought, this is so amazing. I love this about video games. They trigger that dopamine system where you want to get great at something. You want to do something that is hard, that's stretching your abilities. And when you do it, you get some kind of reward. That is life. But you've got to be pushing your skill set. That's the fun of it. The very fun of it is that it's hard, that you're not sure you're going to be able to do it on the first or second or third or even 10th try. But when you know about yourself, that you're going to stick with it that you will do what you need to do, including accepting that right now I'm not that good and that I'm gonna have to get better. That process of going through that and figuring out what it is that you need to do to improve your skill set, and then to watch yourself little by little, inch by inch as you scrape and claw your way through sheer force of will to greatness. That is the fun. The gaining of mastery though that's what you have to commit yourself to. And so I think that if you go in and you approach your work from that perspective and you're gonna hold yourself to a ridiculously high standard, which I think as humans we love, I think we actually love holding ourselves to that standard and building some practice system in place where we get these little incremental gains. It doesn't have to be some huge win overnight. You can invest and say, I know this is gonna take a long time, but I'm just gonna incrementally get a little bit better, a little bit better, and that requires that you try new strategies. Wow, I can feel, I really wanna really derail on this topic. I could go, I could do a whole episode on this right now, I can feel it, uh, but that is big. I will leave it at that, but that's so huge oh, wow, this name is going to challenge me and make me rise to a whole new occasion. Uh, Kibetso Monopula. Kibetso Monopula from Lesotho. Man, that's like, that's intense when you get all the way to where you're from. I like that. All right. Hi, Tom. Can you give me the nuts and bolts of how you went about leveraging poverty in order to build yourself and smash your goals? I used to work for a bank and gave that up in order to pursue my passion, which is helping people improve the quality of their lives using fitness. All right. So not to uh, mythologize my story too much. I will say that when I was poor, I hated it. I did not think that, oh man, this is amazing. That is only as I look back and realize that it did give me a level of desperation and hunger um, that pushed me and propelled me forward. Now looking back and looking at other people, I will say that there is real power in poverty if you've got the mindset to say, I never wanna feel like this again and I'm gonna let that drive me and push me to do something extraordinary, but I wanna be very clear, poverty breaks the vast majority of the people that it touches. So it is one of those insanely dangerous games to play. I am not advocating, hey, give everything up and start over at the bottom. That's not what I'm talking about. But I am saying that when you have that level of desperation in your life, that level of desperation, I will never be here again. I will find a way to take care of my family. There's basically nowhere to go but up. And I hate where I'm at so much that I'm willing to swim through a river of shit to get to the other side. When you have that, then you've really got something pushing you at your back. And I have to say that now, being in the situation that I'm in where it's like, I have all of my financial needs met, I never have to work again, ever, if I don't want to. You have to find new ways to tap into that, to want something so much that it becomes a crushing need in your life. That is the only way that you're able to go forward. I just find that for some people, the ones that it does not break, poverty turns wants into crushing needs. And that's the game. Evan Renfro. 
My passion, which wasn't found but developed, is to help serve others. I've acquired some useful knowledge and skills that I use to coach others in order to facilitate their path to becoming their best self. I absolutely love what I do, and the satisfaction and fulfillment of witnessing such incredible changes drives me to want to serve at a greater scale. My question is, when do you feel some of the focus and energy should be shifted into strategic growth to scale? All right, growing is absolutely powerful, amazing. It is how you go in and get market share and dominate and getting a little bit early on can really help you get a lot down the road, but it is also the single most dangerous thing that you will ever do. And when you're growing and growing rapidly, you have to be very careful. Oftentimes it's going to force you to take an influx of capital, which is a whole thing unto itself. Beware, beware of taking in capital. With that comes partners. If they don't think the same way that you think, if they don't share your values, if you guys don't have the same vision for the company, this is the kind of thing that in the long run becomes a disastrous marriage. So bringing in capital just to scale is very, very high risk. Now, you have to ask yourself what you want. Are you more interested in building this thing out, making it massive, touching millions or hundreds of millions of lives, or Is there a certain lifestyle that you want to live in touching as many people as you can, but scaling in a more sensible manner? That is completely up to you. There's no right or wrong answer. So I will tell you the decision that I made at Quest was all scale all the time. My partners and I, that was all we were interested in. We wanted to get as much market share as possible, touch as many lives as possible. We wanted to dominate while we could, and we made hay while the sun was shining. But I will also say that many of the problems that we face as a company were all born of how rapidly we scaled. And we went from not existing to being valued at over a billion dollars, doing hundreds of millions in revenue in just five years. It was bananas. But in that come all kinds of problems because just growing that fast, you're not always hiring the right person. You're hiring the person that you can get a hold of fast. So yeah, you have to be very, very careful. So now at Impact Theory, I, it is very clear to me. I want to grow as big as we can, and I want to grow as fast as we can without damaging the culture. So I won't do anything to speed up the growth if I think that it's going to hurt the culture. So that is incredibly, incredibly important to me just because I've lived the flip side of that and it stops being fun after a while. So because I'm hoping that this is my forever company, um, I want to really, really protect my experience of the company on a day-to-day basis. I'm not thinking short-term at all. I want this to be a generational company. So that requires that we build and scale a little bit differently. So you first have to answer that question. Um, Once you've answered that question, you should always be looking to scale as quickly as you can um, from a safe cultural and safe financial standpoint, regardless of who you are. Because I think if you're not doing that, your company will eventually stagnate. You'll have a very hard time getting people into your company. People want to see that growth opportunity for their own career. So if you think about that, and that's going to be fueled largely by the growth of the company. So that's something to always think about. It's just the difference between growing at what I'll call a sensible pace and growing at a breakneck high risk pace, which can pay off hugely, but it can also create massive, massive problems. Um, So without knowing more about your company, that's about as specific as I can get. Elena Jean, first off, thank you in all caps, very kind. I've been listening avidly for years now and your content has really positively impacted my life. Here's my question. I'm 25 and found out I have ADHD one year ago. It was a big revelation because it gave cause to particular struggles I've been experiencing in life. Today, I have momentum. I know where I'm going and how to execute, but I keep holding myself back. 
impulsivity, distracted, addictions, etc. It's creating what feels like massive setbacks. Being a highly motivated and capable individual, it's devastating to watch this happen repeatedly. I'm very broke with a lot of administrative type things amiss in my life. How can I break this cycle? Okay, so first of all, if you need to seek out professional help, absolutely do that. But you're gonna need to do a few rudimentary things. First of all, you need clarity around your goals. You need to write down the areas that you're failing in. It's not enough to have a vague sense that you know what they are. You need to actually write them down. Okay, so these are the patterns that I get into that create these problems. Okay, what are the warning signs so that you can catch them early? And then that's the next thing that we're gonna do. We're gonna be using cognitive behavioral therapy techniques to do what's called pattern interrupt. So when you feel the pattern of one of your dysfunctions coming on, you're going to interrupt it. Now, one of the things that I think is um, really important, I'm actually working on um, a, so I'm doing a dual book now. You've heard me talk about the first one. The second one is about the rules, the beliefs, the values, the habits and routines that everybody needs to put in place in order to be successful. Now, I think of myself like Voltron. I am those things that I just mentioned all cobbled together into one super beast. Uh, but by myself, without those things, I'm a total mess. But I have rules, for instance, in my life, bright lines, things that I do, things that I do not do. So I'm prone to laying in bed, wasting time, being incredibly lazy, not wanting to face my inadequacies, just wanting to sit around and feel cool about myself. And I found that that did not take me anywhere. That took me into the period known lovingly as my king of remedial jobs phase, and I was laying in bed three to four hours um, every single morning, which you can imagine is not very productive. And so to get out of that, I had to start building in bright lines. It was the same way that I lost 60 pounds, same way that I added muscle, um, same way that I built companies. It's just there's certain things that I do and don't do. So I'll give you a couple. So bright line number one. If I've had at least five hours of sleep, no matter what time I wake up, so sometimes that might be 2 a.m. If I wake up at 2 a.m. and I've had at least five hours of sleep, I have 10 minutes or less to get out of bed. Simple as, period, no ifs, ands, or buts, no excuses, no reasons, that's it. I get out of bed in 10 minutes or less. So like today, I woke up 3.30, don't know why, just did. But I'd had five and a half hours of sleep. So from I look at the clock, I have 10 minutes, I get out, and then I'm in the gym. So this morning I was in the gym at like 3.45 in the morning. Cool. So that's a bright line. There's just no two ways about it. Another one with diet, there are certain things that I eat and there are certain things that I don't eat. And that's it, bright lines. So in doing that, to be the person that I wanna be, to feel the way that I wanna feel in moments like this, where I'm talking about how I am and what I do and I get to feel good about the fact that I get out of bed in 10 minutes or less. Why? Because I just did it this morning. And what makes me feel cool about it is I didn't wanna get out of bed. I wanted to lay in bed for a very long time. It is so warm and comfortable and there is nothing to do. It is wonderful. But it robs me of my sense of fulfillment. It robs me of belief in myself, self-worth, because I think that comes from doing the hard things. So I got out of bed and I felt good about that. I didn't want to go to the gym, but I went to the gym and that made me feel good about myself. I didn't want to do certain lifts, but I did all the lifts that I said that I was going to do. Why? Because in doing the hard things, you feel good about yourself and you start moving towards the things you want. So those are bright lines. So you start doing things like that and you're going to be able to get yourself on track. The problem is most people are not specific and they have a very vague sense of what they want to do. And if you've tried this and it's not working, go seek help. I don't know why it's become like this taboo thing. If you need therapists, get a therapist. I think it's amazing and beautiful and wonderful and empowering. That tells me it is somebody that's willing to do whatever it takes to get their mindset right, to get their behaviors optimized. It is just smart. So 
If that's what we need to do, do it. If you've worked with poor therapists in the past, keep going until you find a good therapist. But having the right rules, the right beliefs, the right values, the right habits, and the right routines, that's going to be the answer for you. And then identity is a big one. You have to know who you're trying to become. Hold yourself accountable to acting like that person. Uh, sounds like you're letting yourself down with some self-sabotaging behaviors. So getting out of that with the pattern interrupts and all that, that's what's going to break that out. All right. Frank LeBlanc. I'm trying to become a better person. I'm having issues at being a happy, outgoing person. Seems like I can't find too much fun at pretty much anything. Hmm, don't know if I understood that. Uh, I don't have passions. Lose interest pretty quick to pretty much anything I try as pastimes or steam blower to evacuate stress. Jace? <laughs> uh, okay, let's try this one more time. I don't have passions. Okay, that I got. I lose interest. I'm going to start saying what I think this is. I don't have passions. I lose interest pretty quickly to pretty much everything I try. And time passes or steam blower to evacuate stress. Or I blow off steam to let off stress. I have a wonderful girlfriend with whom I have two kids of 13 and 10 years old. I love them to death and think they deserve so much of a better person than I am. Sometimes I'm thinking I should just leave them so that in time I can be replaced by a better person. I don't have a drug or alcohol addiction. I use antidepressants. Uh, never been suicidal to help at maintaining some level of energy. I know I have nothing to complain about and I'm pissed off at myself for not being able to find that inner drive at just being a happy and outgoing person on a full day basis. I need to become one of them. I need to become one of them for those who I really love. They deserve it. Uh, I need to find that happy gene. Any advice? Yes. Okay. So scroll back up for me. So I'm going to walk through these. So first of all, the notion of I want to get out so I can be replaced by somebody better. Um, I say this with all the compassion in the world. That is a bullshit excuse. So fucking stop that. That's absolutely ridiculous. That's like pattern interrupt number one to think that you're less than and that you can't be good for them. So first of all, the most important thing that you could show them is that even though you're struggling, even though you're having a hard time, that you're gonna do the work brick by brick. Yes, it's gonna be a slow process. Yes, it's gonna take time, but you're gonna put in that work every day, brick by brick to get a little bit better. Now I'm gonna throw some Jordan Peterson at you. And by the way, if you're not on that Jordan Peterson tip, man, you are struggling with exactly his sweet spot. And start simple, make your bed clean your room, do simple shit that really shows you that you can win at these tasks and then they're gonna start stacking. Now I'm gonna throw some Tom Bilyeu at you and I'm gonna tell you, get in the gym, go to the gym, start working out. It doesn't even have to be impressive workouts, just go to the gym. And if that's where it starts, you put your gym clothes on and you go to the gym, I did not say workout, I said go to the gym, that's a step in the right direction. Now I find that's the hardest part, getting dressed, scheduling the time and actually driving to the gym, that's the biggest pain in the ass. Once you're at the gym, hey, if you feel like it, pick up some weights. Once that starts feeling good and you know that you're doing it, you said you would do it, you did it, go and say, I'm gonna put in five good minutes, then 10, then 15, then 20. And pretty soon you're gonna actually start to see results. You're gonna start to feel better. Now remember, a lot of what you're going through, this is so important. I want the whole world to hear this. A lot of what you're going through is neurochemical. This doesn't have to do with being a bad person. This has to do with your brain chemistry is fucked. Now, the reason that your brain chemistry is fucked is very rudimentary. I'm guessing you're not eating right because very few people do. I'm guessing you don't work out because very few people do. If you start doing those two things alone, 
the transformation in your neurochemistry will be so profound that you won't recognize yourself. It is the most simple and basic place to start because if you create the environment in which you can have the neurochemistry that will make you feel good, happy, more upbeat, more likely to stick through things, more likely to be empathetic, optimistic, all the things that are gonna make life just feel better. When you start doing that, it just you've got this neurochemical momentum in your life. So for me, those are the places people should start. Uber simple, make your bed, clean your room, go to the gym, eat right. You start doing those things it will change your life. Then from there, we can start stacking things and doing things even better. But again, do not dismiss yourself as somehow broken fundamentally and that you're not gonna be valuable to your kids and that they deserve somebody better. That is horseshit, man. What they deserve is somebody who's willing to do the work to figure themselves out, to learn to love themselves, to forgive themselves, to believe in themselves with small steps, little wins that are gonna stack over time. That's some powerful shit. And your kids aren't gonna be like, what a deadbeat, I can't believe that he started at zero or even minus 100. Like, whoa, man. My dad, even though he was struggling, like really put that energy and put that work in. And then some of this is gonna be like, do shit that puts a smile on your face. Like what's something that you can be excited about? I found, I noticed recently I wasn't excited about anything. And I thought, fuck, I need to find something I'm excited about. And it was so surreal how it was like flipping on a light switch. I was like, Jesus. I didn't realize just how much not having something to be excited about was really fucking with my overall brain chemistry. So Man, whatever that is, even if it requires you to have an hour a week of alone time, like, and that hour is sacred, and yes, it means that you ignore the shit out of your kids, your spouse, your job, everything for that hour, and whatever, whatever is gonna get you excited, do for that hour. And if you can stretch it and you can afford even more time, like, it doesn't matter. It can be the most base shit ever. You can stare at paint dry, you can play video games, whatever you want, but something that legitimately excites you. It's crazy. Like just having one random thing in your life to be excited about just makes everything a little bit better. You start stacking all that together, your kids are gonna see you're putting in the effort, man, and that counts. Christine Louis. After college, I was thrilled to get a job in New York. I was very invested in my work and enjoyed working on the life I was trying to build, but was laid off after three years. I quickly went broke and had worked hard for the past three years to find a job that pays enough. So my question, I feel like my desperation was what got me was what got me starting a new career. I feel grateful for having found my way out of financial instability, but there's no excitement or passion. I'm petrified of wasting time, and I'm honestly a little tired of searching for what I should be doing, but I've always felt the most alive when I'm completely invested in work, competitive, busy, and hungry. How do I know if I'm making excuses? How do I know if I'm being impatient or overthinking? Okay, so the real thing that you have to do here is make sure that you actually know what you're trying to accomplish in life. And one, I think the easiest way to do that is to identify the person who's living your ideal life. So what does it look like? What do you actually wanna be doing? Now, if you say that you don't know, one of two things is true. Either you just haven't spent time thinking about it because I think deep inside of us, all of us know what our areas of interest are. I did not say passion. I said areas of interest. I think all of us know what our areas of interest are. So you know that you love pouring yourself into your work, but what are the things you do for fun? What are the things that really just give you that spark where you're like, whoa, this is fun. I feel more awake. I feel more alive. That thing is an indication of 
the path that you want to be going down. So figuring out what that is, that's number one. If you don't know and you're like, no, 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 Tom, for real, I don't know what my areas of interest are, then you need to stop prematurely optimizing. You need to go and play. And if that means that you sell everything and you go hike across Asia, then go hike across Asia. But find some way to play, to experiment, to encounter a whole lot of random stuff to find the thing that sparks your interest. Then from there, we can go down the process of turning something into a real area of passion, which is a process. It is not something that you uncover like an archeological dig. It very much is something that you're going to architect. You're going to build that passion. It has everything to do with gaining mastery, engagement, going in uh, deeply, involving yourself in an area that you're interested in. So that's really the thing. So you're being impatient if you know what you want and you're just not willing to put in the time and energy. But my thing is, once you, because it's not about being patient, it's not about waiting for inspiration to strike or anything like that, but it's also about understanding that you have to have that foundation laid first and that if you're just trying to rush forward, um, that is a level of impatience that is not going to serve you. So make sure that you're not prematurely optimizing. That's a big one. Um, how do you know if you're not making, or how do you know if you're making excuses? Um, if you're entirely hell-bent to make whatever it is you're trying to do happen and you're running into obstacles, if you know I'm going to find a way over this, around this, through this, over this, under this, chances are you're not making an excuse. You've just identified a real obstacle. If you're like, man, you know, I might as well just give up, then you are, by definition, making an excuse. So watch out for that. Gal Horovitz. I read the book, The Moral Animal, great book, per your reading list. In addition to the others that preceded it, I got to admit, I didn't love the book for this reason. I walked away thinking that perhaps we have less control over our deep desires and motives than we think. I'm sure it wasn't your intention that we walk away thinking that, but lately I get concerned that even my most altruistic actions or words are prompted by selfish motivations. My question is, how do you reconcile selfishness with the theories presented in this book? To me, there's no reconcile needing your most altruistic actions are selfish. And once you understand that, then you can actually begin to understand yourself. You can understand your world. You can understand how to leverage all of that to get yourself pointed and doing the things that you want to do with your life. The reason that I'm able to get myself motivated to do all of the grand things that I want to do is I understand how to manipulate, is really the right word, my own neurochemistry. And because I know how to get, how to leverage my neurochemistry to get me to do the things that I want to do, then I'm really able to build in the mechanisms that I need to make sure that I have follow through and all of that. So that is really critical. So reading that book and understanding the way that the dopaminergic system works, the way that serotonin works and all that, all the neurochemistry um, that we are totally um, moved by, swayed by, motivated by, dissuaded by, once you understand what's driving it, then you're able to manipulate it yourself to get you where you want to go. So to me, life is all about saying, who do I want to become? What would that person act like? And then act like that person. But to have the follow through that you're going to need, you're going to need to know how to leverage your own neurochemistry. So for instance, I was just talking about this a minute ago, but I went through this phase where um, my son is desperate to jump up. 
Um, I went through this phase where I wasn't excited about anything. And so I'm sitting there going, okay, I don't normally feel like this. I just feel blase. I feel bored. Nothing is interesting me. And it's making me feel low energy. So what is going on? And the funny thing was at first I was like, oh, I just need to work out harder. So I started working out harder. And I'm like, nope, that didn't fix it. Now, the reason, by the way, that I thought that I needed to work out harder is because of what I know about ATP and the way that we create energy at a cellular level. So I'm always starting with that. Okay, I'm not creating enough energy. That's why I'm not feeling energetic. Tried that, it didn't work, and I was like, hmm, what else could this be? And then as I really began to look at like what made me feel alive, what was sparking me, it was like, oh yeah, I'm not excited about anything. I was just going through a moment where the projects we were working on here, they just weren't lighting me on fire. I was like, fuck. And so in acknowledging that and just being honest about it, then I was like, okay, now I know what's going on. And then I could begin to figure out what I needed to change in order to tap into that excitement. Now, that's me just acknowledging that, yes, we are not entirely blank slates. And I know that I'm becoming known as like the blank slate guy because I'm saying you can be anything you want to be. But you can be anything you want to be because you understand the way that the human animal actually works, the way that we adapt, the way that we adapt to stress, the way that the neurochemical system works and how to grab a hold of that. I'm all about learning to understand how to create your emotions and not just be a slave to them. So I think the book is powerful for that reason that it gets at some of the underlying principles. So yes, you have to give up the notion that you're this completely autonomous being that um, can be utterly uninfluenced by the world around you, because I, I don't think that's real. I don't think we are like that. I think that we are wildly influenced by the people around us. I think we're wildly influenced by our own um, neurochemistry, our own biology, what's happening at a cellular level, what we eat, how we exercise, all of that stuff affects how we experience things, but they're all controllable elements to some extent. So you can get in and control the massive amount of things that are, are in your control. And if you want to know just how much we can control, dive into Wim Hof. Holy hell. The man can control his autonomic nervous system. That's insane. They injected him with an endotoxin. And they literally injected the man with E. coli and he shut it down. Let that sink in. You can take his blood out and for four hours after the blood has been drawn, it will still shut down endotoxins. It's crazy. It's crazy. So that to me shows just how far we can go. But you are still an animal. And we are still a loose co collection of cells that have their own patterns and their own algorithms that they're running. And you have to acknowledge that stuff. So yeah. Um, Hopefully that will help you not mourn the loss of that notion, but see how powerful it is once you understand that there are these underlying drivers. All right, Aiden Donald. Tom, I'm a longtime listener of the show and absolutely love your work. I'm 19 years old and have gone straight out of high school into business as a freelance automotive artist and designer. The past 12 months of business have been extremely challenging and I've made about half the money my friends have who are do doing normal labor or hospitality work. I'm stuck on whether I should continue to pursue this career or get a normal job, stash some cash, and keep looking for something cool to do. I love my work and people I get to meet through it and the places I go. However, a recent business dealing with a company who I greatly admire in the industry has left me feeling extremely beat down with the quality and speed of my service. Any advice? I love this question. Now, the reason that I love this question is depending on what you do now is going to determine the course of maybe not your entire life, but it's going to have a massive impact on a very large swath of your life. So what you're doing right now, you're not making a lot of money, 
But oh, dear God, are you accelerating your learning? And by being out there in the game, playing to win, you're going to get the shit kicked out of you. What you're doing now, and I almost don't want to say this because I don't want you thinking about this. You have to like file this way in the back of your mind and then never think about it again. But you're almost certainly going to fail. Like what you're doing right now is almost certainly going to fail. But who cares? It's a success when you realize that what you're doing now is learning. You're trying to learn the game of business. You're trying to figure out all that stuff that at 19 you couldn't possibly know. I'm still learning. I've been in the game now for what, 16 years? So at the end of the day, man, like you've just got to embrace that what it's all about is learning, getting better, improving, falling on your face, getting kicked in the teeth, figuring out why, as Ray Dalio says, pain plus reflection equals progress. Pain plus reflection equals progress. So if you want to progress, you've got to go through that pain and then really identify what happened. And the pain, the reason the pain is so important is the pain is going to give you the impetus, the like absolute fucking need to figure out what went wrong because you know that you never want to feel like that again. That's the power of that pain. So your friends are working a job, but they're not necessarily optimizing their life for the right thing. They're optimizing their life for fitting in, working well in a group, which can be very powerful, especially if they're really driven to climb the corporate ladder. But it could also be that they're really going to stall themselves out because they're not willing to essentially pay, which is what you're doing. If they're making twice your money, then you're paying you know, your salary once over again for an education. So you're taking half of your money in the form of cash so that you can eat and have a roof over your head, but you're taking the other form of your cash in knowledge. Now, knowledge is something that you can monetize over time forever for the rest of your career. So even though I was a moron when I was young and all I wanted was money, money, money right now, if I had understood that the money, once it's spent, is gone forever, the knowledge, on the other hand, I can monetize over and over and over and over. So that's where this gets really powerful is understanding that what you're getting versus what your friends are getting is infinitely more powerful, but it's a lot more painful. So they're going to have this sort of dull level of pain for a very long time if they never break out of it and learn an accelerated rate. You, on the other hand, are going to have really acute, really intense pain as your friends are going to the club and you're not able to do that. But eventually, you will own yourself because you will have the wherewithal, the skill set to do a lot more than they're going to be able to do. So if it were me... I would keep on that path. I would keep learning. I wouldn't be afraid of failure. If the business goes belly up, so what? It doesn't matter. Um, you can always go get a job later. But instead of that, I would just embrace that, you know, right now you're poor. It's very okay to be poor at your age. It doesn't matter. And you probably have five or six years left where just abject poverty is absolutely fine. And maybe even more than that. God, God you're 19. So it's, you've got time. So I would really leverage this time this sweet spot where the world does not judge you um, for being broke, to be broke, to learn, and yeah, stay that course, get powerful. That's what this is about. All right, guys, that's the end of the AMA. Thank you so much for joining me. And if you haven't already, be sure to rate and review. I know you thought I was gonna say subscribe and do that as well, but rate and review on the podcast. It is so huge. It helps us move up in the rankings, which helps us reach more people. And I'm just fucking competitive. I'm gonna say it. So if I've added value to you guys, I wanna be number one. I wanna be number one. And I'm gonna need your help. Go rate and review. If I've added value, that is my ask. It would be huge if you'd go rate and review. Give it them five stars, homie. That would be amazing. All right, guys, until next time, be legendary.
Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.